Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 235. On this week's episode, I am back from my four-night Brilliance of the Seas cruise, and we'll be talking all about my experience on board Brilliance of the Seas, and we'll be talking about what we did on board, my thoughts of the various offerings on Brilliance of the Seas, and a look at basically everything you might want to consider if you're going on Brilliance of the Seas as well. Here we go. Having just returned from my Royal Caribbean Brilliance of the Seas cruise, you know, I always like to do these wrap-up episodes where we kind of review what we did on board and kind of share my experience. And I can tell you that I really did enjoy our four-night cruise on Brilliance of the Seas. It's a fabulous ship, and what a wonderful way to kind of relax and take it easy and just do it. It was a weekend escape, obviously a four-night cruise, and that is exactly what we got. You know, even though the weather didn't cooperate with us, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, it was still a fabulous ship because, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's raining or it's windy or whatever, you know, you're on the ship, you can still have a great time. And that's what these Royal Caribbean ships are really known about. And I think actually my experience can actually speak to, you know, the possibilities that no one really wants to think about or even talk about out of fear of jinxing themselves. But sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate with you. And on our cruise, that's exactly what happened. Our best weather was on embarkation day. And after that, it kind of just uh, degraded very quickly. You know, uh, we sailed in January. So if you're listening to this episode later on, you may, that kind of context is important. You know, and we had uh, – it was windy. It was rarely sunny, mostly cloudy throughout the cruise. And there was a little bit of rain. But really what the it, it amounted to was there was a lot of motion in the ocean. Not crazy. Not enough to – you know, induce, I think, seasickness. It was just more of an annoyance, more than anything. You do that staggered walking where you start walking down a hall and the ship moves a little bit and you move over to your right or you move to your left as you walk down. You know, it's it's one of those things you just get used to, really, honestly. But, you know, it wasn't the picture-perfect cruise experience. And there's a couple of kind of takeaways from that. First and foremost, something that I always bring up, which is that when you're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, you know, a lot of times people get hung up on hurricane season, right? Oh, uh, should I go on a cruise in September or October or anytime during hurricane season? Oh, my gosh, you know, my, is it going to be, you know, a ruined cruise with the weather and everything like that? And you know what? The reality is you bad weather can happen throughout the year. There's no guarantees with the weather. And, it's, and, and that leads you to the other conclusion, which is you have no control over the weather anyway. You can go look at every weather report throughout the year, figure out, you know, what's the most optimal time, the least bad weather, you know, statistically speaking, and book a cruise around that, and it can still rain on you. You never know that. But the bottom line is that while you can't control the weather, you can control the ship you go on and obviously the great uh, experience you have on there. And I think that despite the weather, despite the, the movement in the ocean, we still had a great time on, on the cruise. I will tell you that it was a fabulous ship. We had a, of course, our balcony stateroom, which was really nice. You know, the the room had enough space, plenty of space for me and my wife on this sailing, and we had no issues at all with you know not being able to spread out. I will tell you that the uh, the room was was great for what we wanted it to be. Uh, it was on deck eight, and what was interesting was on deck seven, the deck below us. If you go on our balcony, you look down. Deck seven is the obviously the deck below us, but their balconies. I don't know how to explain it. Their balconies jetted out more because I think they're all uh, obstructed view. Uh, basically, uh, if you're on that balcony, you can't look directly down. It's kind of weird. But anyway, their balconies jetted out because of the superstructure I think that they're on top of. And as a result, it was actually very easy to look into each other's balconies. <laughs> like they could look up and you could look down. Actually, more of an issue for them, I think, than for us. But it was kind of a weird situation. I don't recall us ever seeing that. I will also tell you that we were in the we were in the aft of the ship, and I remember when my wife said we did a guaranteed balcony room. So Royal Caribbean picked it for us, and they picked it. And we were like we're like uh, fourth or sixth from the end, something like that. 
MOF said, do you want to change the room? Because once you pick a guaranteed room, you can change your actual room location once it's assigned to you, assuming there are other rooms within the same category available. And I told my wife, I, said, you know, I scoffed at her. I said, come on. It's a Radiance-class ship. You know, it's not that big. I will tell you, it was quite a walk, actually. Not a huge deal. It was just more – it was a surprise to see how much walking we had to do because, of course, there are two elevator banks, right? There's the Centrum elevator bank and there's the forward elevator bank. But since we had to use the Centrum elevator bank, you know, there were – I don't know how many rooms between us and the, and the elevator. So, you know, it was more of a walk than I think we were anticipating. I don't think it's really a big deal. Uh, if you have mobility issues, certainly that might be a consideration that some of those rooms way down at the end are, you know, a little further away than you might think. But, of course, still being on a Radiance-class ship, I just – I never felt like – you know, if I'd been on some of the bigger ships, you know, the Oasis-class, the Freedom-class, and you have a room really far away, some of those walks down those hallways of staterooms just feels like it goes on and on and on and on. On Brilliance, it was just, you know, it was it was certainly longer than I anticipated it being, but not terrible is what I'm trying to say. So it wasn't quite to that point of, you know, being like in a Freedom-class ship and having a room at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the hall, but – you know, that being said, my wife pointed out, says, yeah, we got to walk a little, a little bit further, but then we also didn't have to contend with any noise from the Centrum because, of course, there's lots of shows and the Centrum is, while beautiful and amazing, it's a, it's a sound tunnel. The sound just travels up from the bottom of the Centrum all the way up and kind of filters out. And I remember we were on Jewel of the Seas, and I don't know if this is still the fact on Brilliance or any other ship, so, you know, my experience may vary. But, uh, you know, when we were on Jewel of the Seas in 2013, which is another Radiance-class ship, we had a lot of noise bleed, and our room was like first or second room from the Centrum. Uh, so, you know, there's that. So I'm not sh- I guess walking is better than, than noise, if you ask me, especially for sleeping. Uh, our saber tenant was great. Uh, shout out to Paul, who was really, really good. Did a great job taking care of us, and uh, really can't complain about that at all. One of the things, let's talk about some of the experiences we did on board. Uh, we did the the... BOGO dining package where I purchased it before the cruise. That worked out extremely well. Had no problems at all. In fact, when I got on board the ship, we stepped on board. First time, yay! There were some folks there from various restaurants who were taking reservations and I mentioned, oh, I have a dining package already. Can I set up the dining? They were very helpful in setting it up. I didn't have to go anywhere. I literally walked into them. They took my information and they made reservations for me. And I went later on on that day, on our vacation day, to double check on that. No problems at all. It was kind of interesting because uh, one nuance, if you will, was a lot of the crew members had trouble understanding which BOGO dining package I had. I think a lot of them assumed I was talking about the Diamond Plus BOGO deal. If you're Diamond Plus or above, you get a buy one, get one, especially restaurant, but it's only at certain restaurants. But I purchased the Royal Caribbean BOGO dining package through the cruise planner, not the Diamond Plus perk. But I think a couple different crew members didn't understand what I had. Because they were like, oh, you can only do it at certain restaurants. I'm like, no, 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 I can do it at all of them. It's just because I bought the package, not the Diamond Plus. Anyway, it was one of those loss in translation kind of things. But <laughs> nonetheless, it all worked out. That's the bottom line. It ended up being a great idea. Worked out very easy. And again, with specialty dining packages, what I always tell people to do is buy them in advance if you're you're comfortable with that. But it's, uh, make your reservations as soon as you get on board. It just makes it so much easier. And I had no issues getting anything I wanted for timing or restaurants. It's it's much simpler than it sounds. And a lot of times people get all worried about, oh, is there going to be availability for me if I wait to, to you know actually assign the restaurants on board? And the short answer is yes, there was plenty of availability. It's not – I have yet to run into a situation where that's not the case. The and especially if you do an on embarkation day, if you wait for like the day of, like I'm gonna wait for day six of my cruise and then make a reservation, yeah, you might run into some availability issues, but by and large, I think it's not as much of an issue as possible. 
Speaking of packages, I did not get the drink package on this cruise, and I can tell you that I am coming back off the ship. I am happy I did not. I think I made the right decision. We ended up going with a combination of a couple things. We and I mentioned this in the preview episode. We had the uh, we brought two bottles of wine on board. We brought we used the diamond drinks. Of course, we're diamond members, and we get complimentary drinks. In fact. The first night of the cruise, we went to the Diamond Lounge, and I may have had a few drinks up there to kind of catch up for the rest of the day. Let's just uh, suffice to say, I had plenty to drink on that first day of the cruise. And the reality is that, you know, between that and drink specials on board, we were fine. I remember we got on board the ship, Embarkation Day, and that's like the time I really want to have a drink, right? It was, the sun was actually shining on that day. We were excited. We had done all the check-in stuff, and, you know, I was ready to, like, you know, relax and get into cruise mode. And I told my wife, so I'd really like to get a drink. And, of course, being Royal Caribbean Crown and Anchor members, we were able to get the uh, BOGO uh, beer or wine package – or not package, but just coupon offer. Basically, if you're – I think this is true for – I know it's true for Diamond, Emerald, and I'm pretty sure it's for Platinum. It might even be for Gold as well where uh, one of the discounts, one of the coupons you get is you're entitled to each person get a buy one, get one beer or wine so for us, that was great because, you know, me and my wife can both enjoy a, a beer. She got a hard cider. I got a Heineken. And we were able to get that, you know, two drinks for six bucks. Ain't bad, right? So those kind of drink specials really do make a difference. Now, of course, if you're new to Royal Caribbean and you don't have a uh, – you're not into Crown and Anchor Cider. You're not a Diamond member and a lot of these things may not apply to you. Certainly, the drink package does make a difference. I'll point out to you, again, pricing-wise, if you had purchased the drink package, the unlimited alcohol package, I should say – before the cruise, it was $50 per person per day. On board the ship, it was 63 So, again, if you know you want to buy the drink package, buy it before the cruise. It absolutely saves you money. But, you know, if you've uh, – my thing with the drink package, the reason why I'm happy with my decision was uh, twofold. One was with the drink package, I always feel like I'm drinking for the sake of drinking. You know, we're at a show. We're in a – we've got 10 minutes to kill. I'm at a restaurant. You know, and we just order a drink because I got the drink package. May as well get one, even though I don't really want one or or need one, quote unquote. As my mother always likes to say, you don't need a drink to have a good time. That being also said, uh, on day three of the cruise, the drink card showed up, and the drink card is a option that you cannot bet on. I'm going to tell you about it. It's going to sound amazing and wonderful, but keep in mind that it, there's no guarantee it'll be on your cruise. Basically, at some point in the cruise, Royal Caribbean may offer a drink card where you prepay a certain amount of drinks, and in my case, on Brilliance of the Seas, it was 10 drinks for $75 plus 18% gratuity, and at that point, you have 10 drinks you can use on that card. It's like a punch card, like, and you go to any bar or restaurant, and you, you can apply just like the drink package, and you can you can use that. Also, you can share the drink card, whereas you cannot share the drink package. So me and my wife were able to double team the uh, drink card, and that makes it so much more you know worthwhile. Because of course, you know, forgetting gratuity for a second, the you know seven, ten drink seventy five dollars at seven dollars and fifty cents a, a drink. That's a huge savings considering most cocktails come in at about ten to twelve dollars per drink, and the fact that we could share it. It made so worthwhile. The problem, of course, is that anybody listening to this and saying, oh, I'd love to do the drink card on my cruise, there's no guarantee it'll be on your ceiling. It's not on all ceilings. It's not on all ships. It's just it's just one of those things where it may or may not show up. We kind of rolled the dice on it, hoping that it would happen, and luckily for us, it did. But again, you need to – you should keep that in mind as kind of a backup. But obviously, the more port days you have, the more – the less important the drink package is. But of course, the drink package has its own benefits, even above everything I just said, right? And I didn't mean for this episode to turn into a drink package debate, but here we are. You know, the drink package allows you to prepay your drinks, which is huge. I hate that monster bill at the end of the cruise. And, you know, everyone's monster bill is a different size, but 
I just would rather not have that bill at the end. I prefer to prepay it. You know, because if you're, you know, anything like me, you probably book your cruise months, if not years, in advance. And that means there's plenty of billing cycles for you to spread out those costs, right? Everybody can handle $100 here, $200 there, as opposed to, you know, $1,000 at the end of the cruise on one bill. It's like, oy vey, you know, what did I do? It's, you know, I think that's a huge intangible benefit of the drink package. And I got to tell you that, that you can't deny that. And I will never tell you that you're wrong for doing it for that reason alone. So, but in the end of the day, on my cruise on Brilliance, it was great because, again, we had our Port Dane Cozumel, in which we had plenty to drink over there. And again, the drink card showed up by day three anyway. So the last two days of the cruise, we were totally taken care of and it wasn't even an issue. But you know, being a Diamond member, it really makes a big difference. If you're not a Diamond member yet, then I would tell you that you may have to take a longer look at the drink package itself. But keep in mind, there are a fair amount of drink specials on board. You know, there was like a two for one mimosas in the casino in the morning. And then, you know, you can get the beer bucket somewhere. And, you know, the cruise compass. And the signs all around the drink of the day, that's always a cheap one. It usually comes in about eight bucks or so. That's not bad for a mixed drink of some kind. You know, you can do some damage in there and still come out ahead. It really depends on you and your drinking habits, but uh, I think we were, we were satisfied in our experience. Let's talk about dining, though, back to food again. We did not go to the main dining room for dinner, we did go there for lunch one day. Wow, we only went there for one day, huh? Okay. Uh, and lunch was fine. Great. I, I love main dining room lunch. I think it's my, actually my favorite meal because I, they vary the menu considerably on lunch, and it's kind of nice. You get some nice options there. But we did go to, on night one, we went to Izumi for dinner. We actually went to Izumi for dinner also on night three. Great time. It's a wonderful restaurant. Uh, you know, I there was actually, Izumi has the quote-unquote new Izumi menu. There's like three or four options that are new on the menu there, and it was my op- first opportunity to actually try it on a new Royal Caribbean ship. Really good stuff. There was the tuna tacos, and there's a poke bowl, and uh, there was something else as well. Uh, all great. My wife got the Hot Rock, which if you're not a fan of sushi, is your go-to option. Basically, they give you a literally a slab of rock that is superheated and some various meats, whether it's beef or surf and turf or whatever, and they you cook it on there, you eat it. It's wonderful. It's a great option for those who don't like sushi, but their sushi in Izumi is phenomenal. Loved it. It was really a great time. Uh, it's, I mean, I love Izumi, so it's not like if you listen to this podcast at any kind of length, you probably know that I'm a big fan of it, so Definite two big thumbs up on the Izumi on Brilliance of the Seas. We went to on night two to Chops Grill. Great time there. Actually, believe it or not, when I went to Chops Grill, my wife got the flight, but uh, when I went there, I actually ended up getting the lamb chops. I was kind of, I'm trying to not eat as much red meat anyway, but uh, honestly, when I sat down there and, and the waiter came and took our order, I said, you know, what can you recommend? What would you order here? Because, of course, they're here and they're probably eating it all the time. And he rattled off, I think, uh, the filet was his choice and also the lamb chops. And my wife got the filet, so I figured I'd get a taste of that. But I said, mm, the lamb chops, I don't know if I've ever had that before. And I went with it, and it was a great choice. You know, they were very easy to eat. I was, I'm was, i always worried about meat on the bone as being too much work. I don't have time for that. I want to be able to eat my food and move on. I don't want to be cutting around stuff. But the uh, it ended up being really tasty, more filling than I thought it was going to be. And uh, I was very quite happy with that. But, you know, Chops Grill is Chops Grill. It's, uh, they also, they have the quote-unquote new menu there at Chops Grill. So, as an example, there's no more French onion soup or red velvet cake on the menu. But there's the mushroom soup, which is actually very, very good. And there's the seafood towers and a couple other options there. But Chops Grill, you know, I've always thought Chops as being one of the most consistent restaurants on Royal Caribbean. But we all have a different thoughts about it, you know. But I really do believe that, you know, it's hard to go wrong with Chops Grill. It's a steakhouse. Most people 
tend to enjoy the food there. The sides are really underrated. Very, very good stuff. Also, they had a uh, tuna tartar option on there, which was amazing. Really, really good. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, and on night four, we went to Giovanni's Table. And my wife loves Giovanni's Table. They actually, believe it or not, so I mentioned two new menus at Zumi and Chops, but Giovanni still has the quote-unquote old menu. Anyway, uh, good stuff all around. I had the lasagna, which actually is available on the lunch menu. I stopped in a couple days before and said, hey, I'm going for dinner, and I know the lasagna is only on the lunch menu. Can I get it for dinner? And they were very accommodating, which goes to show you, again, don't be afraid to ask. If there's something you like or something you want to have changed, go in and ask, especially if you can ask at least a day before. They're much more accommodating because then they can prepare for it right, and and take care of it. So really nice stuff there. But again, Giovanni's is a, is a terrific uh, restaurant, and in the case of I think Chops and Giovanni's, we showed up a little bit earlier than our reservation times because we're kind of just like, well, we don't have any, you know, kind of there's a lull here, and may as well go eat, <laughs> you know, because it's been like thirty minutes since we ate last. So, uh, and in both cases, they were very accommodating with that. So again, never, never hesitate to you know ask or see what's available because in the many cases they're very, very accommodating. I also tried a, a new dining experience on. Brilliance of the Seas, which is the sushi class. Uh, when I was at Izumi one of the nights of the sailing, our waiter came over and was talking about the sushi class. And I, you know, I've I've known about the sushi class for a long time, but I've never actually done it before, primarily because I don't eat shellfish, and I know for a fact that the sushi you make is primarily composed of shellfish. Well, the waiter said, "Oh, I will talk to the chef for you. I'll get you, you know, a special setup just for you with stuff you can eat." And I think you'd like it. I said, all right, let's make it happen. Because, of course, you know, I got no kids on the sailing. So it's not like I have to worry about you know what they're going to be. And uh, we did it. And it was it was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun. The sushi class was $28 plus gratuity. So it came out to about 33 I think, with, with the gratuity. And it was a lot of fun. We made, uh, made four different kinds of rolls. And I think I'll post a review of it at RoyalCarmineBlog.com so everybody can take a look at it. It was it was a really cool experience because it's fun to do. It's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to come out with like something looking like, you know, you ever try like cooking something for the first time that, you know, you find them like on Pinterest or something. It's like, oh, how hard could this be? And it comes out looking terrible. And you're like, all right, how about pizza for dinner tonight? Because <laughs> it's just a, it's a disaster. No, this actually it came out pretty well. So credit to the teacher and also my Many years of observing sushi clearly had led to something in that regard, but it was a lot of fun. We did enjoy that quite a bit, and I'm glad I did it. I would recommend it's a lot of fun. What's nice about it is that you get to eat everything you you make there, and then on top of it, they offered a galley tour as part of the price. So after we made all the sushi, we met down on deck five and took a, a tour of the main dining room kitchen, and I've seen the kitchen before, but it's still pretty darn cool to walk around there and, and see this. If you've never seen the galley before. It's an impressive operation to see them prep and do all the stuff, see just how large uh, the an operation it really is. And I got to tell you that I was uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. So for the price, I thought it was really, really good. In terms of uh, other things we did on board the ship, you know, we spent a lot of time by the pool, which was great. Uh, Park Cafe is located in the Solarium. It's kind of the, you know, despite the name Park Cafe, which if you've been on the Oasis class ships, that's the name of the Park Cafe on in Central Park. I feel like it. Even though they offer some of the foods from Park Cafe in Central Park, it's more like the cafe promenade of the ship, uh, if you've been on some of the larger ships, in the sense that they have sandwiches, they have snacks, and they're open until like 1.30 in the morning. So, you know, there's it seems like it's your go-to snacking spot because of its convenient location by the pool. We spent a lot of time by the pool there. The solarium was wonderful because, of course, the weather wasn't phenomenal. It never – it rained like – 
the last day it rained for part of the day, but otherwise it wasn't rainy. It just wasn't wonderful. But and in in the case of I think the first sea day, so day two, it was still kind of chilly. But in the solarium, it was perfect because it's enclosed. There's a glass roof that never theoretically is retractable. I don't think it's ever been retracted in like last I don't know decade, but. Anyway, it's there, and it kept it nice and warm in there, so we enjoyed that. In fact, we never had much of an issue finding seats. We would roll in there like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which is like a huge no-no for trying to find seats. But we were able to find chairs almost every time. I cannot recall a time in which we went to the pool and or solarium and were not able to find a chair somewhere to go sit down, which was kind of nice. So we did enjoy that quite a bit, and that was a nice perk of the uh, of the ship there. Uh, in terms of the entertainment, you know, I got to be honest with you. I thought the one thing that Brilliance uh, disappointed in was the entertainment, not in the sense that they didn't offer it. They did. But my wife and I have been have grown accustomed to the stage and performance shows, the uh, performances that include the you know, Royal Caribbean singers and dancers. These are, you know, kind of like musical numbers and stage performances and whatnot. But on this sailing, for some reason, they didn't have any. They had the Welcome Aboard show for only one sailing, which is – Normal, okay. I can, I can, I've, I've seen that happen before. But night two and night three were like headliners, like performers, not the singers and dancers kind of thing. It was like one person doing uh, singing or doing something like that. And then on night four, they had a tribute to live music, which is more kind of what we we're looking for. But again, there was only one showing of it, and of course, it was like at seven thirty, which conflicted with our dinner. Uh, we peeked our heads in for a little bit just to go see what it was all about, but. You know, we've been on Brilliance before. We've been on other ships, and you know, it's it's different. Now, granted, it's a four night sailing. Perhaps they've changed up the lineup. Also, on our sailing, we had a fairly large group on board. There was a bluegrass group, which were fine. They're very, very nice folks. I don't know if that contributed because, of course, they were doing their own entertainment, and I don't know if that impacted it at all. Who knows? But you know, that's really you know a nitpicking. Really, it was still great uh, entertainment around the ship. I love the live music. There's the Chronos band in the Centrum, which, geez, I mean, these guys. Based on the reaction on this sailing and my last sailing on Brilliance, this is my second sailing, by the way, on Brilliance of the Seas. I mean, this band, people just cannot get enough of it. Holy moly, are they good. Uh, you know, really good singers. People really enjoyed that. The pub singer was very good. Uh, the live music at the pool was great. I, I mean, I love, I'm a huge fan of live music on Royal Caribbean in general. And my favorite act, actually, of all of that was the, there's a, a classical trio that usually plays in the schooner bar. They also play in the Centrum sometimes. And uh, I saw them. I remembered them from the last time we were on Brilliance. There's a there's a pianist and two violinists, and they do a. Fun, it's just so beautiful and so relaxing. That's I can listen to that for hours and hours and hours. I should have bought their CD. Now that I think about it. Oh well, but but they did a phenomenal job, and uh, it's it's so good. I really did enjoy that quite a bit. So uh, one thing about the uh, the motion, also about the weather. As I mentioned, you know our 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 sea day or when we left Tampa. It was beautiful, great weather, perfect for sail away. And then once we got out to the ocean, the motion started up, and it was pretty rocky for most of the cruise. I'll tell you a couple things about rockiness in general. Um, you know, in this case, it wasn't like the rockiness where you go from like side to side and it's methodical and that kind of stuff. I actually, think is worse because it—that's the kind of motion I feel like can induce seasickness. You know, where you're sitting around and you just see the horizon going up and down, up and down. In this case, it was more just, you know. It was not consistent. It was like, you know, you'd have a moment of like no movement and then you'd get this, you know, back and forth kind of stuff and then up and down. You know, it wasn't terrible. But here's my where's what I want to talk about, you know, rockiness in general. Because when you're talking about rockiness on a real on a on a cruise in general, there's a couple of things you want to keep in mind. Number one, 
Uh, it is a very much a mind over matter situation um, in that if you have a positive attitude about it, don't freak out. Really is what I'm trying to say. You know, take it in stride. It's okay. Number two, it's okay if you just want – if you are feeling a little concerned about it, if it's giving you some pause – you know, take some bonine. We did that actually on day three. We were just like by the third by day three. You know, it started up again, and you know, it was fairly. In fact, the captain had mentioned it was going to be. Uh, I don't think he's worse, but we were sailing into the headwinds, so he, he kind of painted it like it might be even worse than it was on day two. But my wife and I said, you know what? We might as well just take the bonine just to be safe, because of course, what's the what's the worst side effect of bonine? It makes you tired, and you know, you're going to have to take a nap at some point. I'll much rather deal with that than motion sickness. So don't be afraid to. Pride is everything. Look, I, I, this is the first time I've taken Bonine in I don't know how long, but it was worth it. You know why? Because I enjoyed the rest of my cruise. I had no issues at all. I think overall, in retrospect, I probably didn't need it. It wasn't quite as bad as as uh, you know, as as I may have thought it was going to be. But again, it is a matter of, I think, perspective. And don't let it limit you, you know. Take your medicine if you need to, and if you don't, that's okay too. But, you know, get out there. I think part of the issue is, you know, the worst is when you're sleeping because, of course, you're you're physically on the bed. And it always feels worse in bed than – like worse in the sense of like you can – the sensation of the motion seems to be more significant when you're laying down than when you're standing up and walking around the ship. And I remember on day four, you know, I woke up and I was like, oh, man, we're really rocking here. And then, you know, I got up and I went out to, to get breakfast and whatnot. And, you know, I said, oh, this actually isn't as bad as, as I thought it was going to be. And then by the, by the end of day four, it actually smoothed out quite a bit as we made our way back to Tampa. So, you know, it's one of those things. But I think in general, when it comes to weather, no one can control it. So you got to make the best of it that that's possible. In Cozumel, we went to uh, downtown. We took a taxi there. We basically just did what I said in the preview episode, kind of just made our way around town, did a little bit of shopping. Uh, we we certainly ate and drank our way around. It was very, very nice. Uh, we actually had decent weather. The weather, this is another thing. The weather forecast, if you looked on weather.com for Cosmo, it's like, well, it's going to rain. Originally, it was like 100% chance of rain, then went down to like 70. And I think by the actual day, I think it was closer to like 30 or 50. But in the end, I don't know that it, it rained in the morning, like before we even got there, like the roads were wet. But it didn't actually rain on us while we were in town. And we spent, you know, probably half the day in Cosmel and came back and, you know, uh, we actually took a nap. And then we went to the pool and spent the rest of the time over there. It wasn't bad, I got to tell you. So, you know, uh, and next time we go to Cosmel, which will be in March, uh, I think we're going to do a more organized activity. At least I'm saying this now, but I haven't really put that much thought into it. Uh, but, you know, it's it's great. We actually ate at um, a number of restaurants in Cozumel. We did have our lunch at Casa Dennis, and I picked that restaurant for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, we went there, when I think, on our honeymoon the last time. Number two, a lot of people comment on it as, a, as something they really like. I liked it. It was good food. I don't know if it was the most authentic uh, Mexican food I've ever had. It was, uh, it was certainly more authentic than a lot of places I've been in Cozumel, you know, where it's just like kitschy, uh, you know, touristy food. Probably right in there in the middle. Uh, I also thought the prices were a little higher than they probably were at some other places in Cozumel, but not bad. Uh, what's nice about it, Casa Dennis is like right in the main square there. It's so very easy to get to, um, and they certainly, you know, it's easy in, easy out, pretty quick service. Uh, but again, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for, I think Casa Dennis is great if you're not quite ready to go to the full authentic where no one speaks any English and you've got to kind of, you know, figure out what's of interest to you there versus, you know, just Tex-Mex. This is a pretty good, you know, uh, blend of the two. Overall, I really did enjoy Brilliance. I'm glad we booked the cruise. It was a lot of fun. You know, my wife and I had a great time. But, you know, obviously this was a cruise where we sailed without the children. 
So we were able to kind of enjoy it on that kind of a level there. But, you know, it, it, it was a great getaway. And when you're doing these, you know, four, even the five night sailings out of Tampa, it's it, that's what I think it really amounts to is that it's a great getaway cruise. And for us, it was Thursday to well Monday, really Monday morning. We're off the ship and it was it was easy. It was relaxing. And I think that's really what it really amounts to. And, of course, if you're looking at Brilliance of the Seas, one of the things you always want to consider, and this is something I talk about all the time, which is that, you know, just understand what Brilliance offers and what it doesn't offer, right? You know, if you're comparing Brilliance to Harmony of the Seas, look, there's a huge difference there. But it also depends on what you're looking for. And, you know, it's a fun ship. But if you're looking for, you know, a ton of activities, where an overwhelming amount of activities, and you need Harmony. You know, on Brilliance, you would look down the cruise compass. And there's almost a sequence to it, right? You can go from this event to this event to this event to this event. Whereas on Harmony, you would have overlapping event, multiple overlapping events, and you'd have to pick and choose. So it depends what you're looking for and what you're interested in doing. And as long as you're okay with the fact there isn't a Broadway show on there, or there isn't, you know, a, you know, I don't know, a, a zip line, or you know, there was plenty of especially dining, and there was activities. It's just, you know, it's a matter of what is of interest to you and what you're looking to do. That's really, I think, the name of the game. But really, it's still a fabulous ship. Really, really nice. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, you know, being that it's only about an hour away from us from our home, I mean, it's so tempting to be able to hop on that ship and do these little weekend trips, especially because it only took two days of vacation time from work. So, you know, not not, not bad of an option at all. So, uh, of course, I'll post in our show notes at royalcoreanblog.com. A link to our in our show notes to our my live blog that I did so you can follow along everything I did over there and take a recap of uh, with photos and basically a rundown of what we did on board. It was it was a great cruise, and I'm looking forward to going back on Brilliance. I hope uh, even sooner than the last time I took to get back on board. All right, my friends, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I read emails that you've sent me. Well, some of you have sent me, and we talk about them together. Of course, you can always send me an email, matt at royalcrimmingblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcrimmingblog.com. Our first email is from Paul from Dallas, Texas. Just got off Vision of the Season, had asked the next cruise officer the exact question asked in another podcast episode, do you receive Crown and Anchor credit for land portion of land and sea packages? She answered, yes, you do receive credit for land nights. Thank you, Paul, for the... Uh, doing the homework for us there. Love that. Our next email is from Leanne Kreitmeyer Nagy. writes, Hi, Matt. Sorry for taking so long to send you a review and photos of Doctor's Cave Beach Club in Jamaica. This was on Allure of the Seas on October 2017. It was a five-night cruise. We used reggae tours. Cost for adults was $28.50 and for kids $21.66. And there was about $6 in fees for a total of $106.34 for the four of us. My brother uh, Timothy Kreitmeyer and his daughter also went. The ride over was about 35 to 40 minutes. A good van or bus in good repair. Good working air conditioning. Driver was funny. Drove well and was on time picking us up. Started out kind of slow. His boss wanted him to wait for a couple who had not shown up yet, which due to the time of being there an hour behind, they didn't realize that they were late. The beach area was nice. It was a little crowded. I think that was due to the fact that there was a carnival ship docked at the pier near there as well. The chair and umbrella rentals were $6 each. The main negative thing we would say about this is there were two to three guys in the water trying to sell wood-carved animals. They were not aggressive, just a bit annoying. But overall, the beach club is a really nice small beach. Outside, there's plenty of shopping. They do ask you to come in for a look. The sidewalks are small and not in great shape, but okay for the walk. We walked down just for a bit to go to Margaritaville. Since marijuana is legal there, they were asking if you want to buy some. We would just say no thank you, and they left you alone. We didn't feel unsafe and stayed together for sure. We would book that excursion again. We would recommend it. And I appreciate it. So, 
uh, thanks very much. Well, yeah, thank you for the email. Thank you for the review of uh, Doctor's Cave Beach in uh, Falmouth, or close to Falmouth anyway. Great review. Always appreciate hearing those firsthand reviews of shore excursions there. Love that. Next, we have an email from Jeffrey K., who writes, I've been listening to your podcast since episode 10 of WGW Today, and recently found this podcast. I've been catching up on back episodes. We're going on a first ever cruise in 2018 on Explorer of the Seas. I have a question about beverage plans. We're not, we're not alcoholic drinkers, and wonder about what our options are for the soft drink plan. Do meals come with any complimentary drinks, juice, water, coffee, tea, etc.? What else do we need to consider to determine the best value for non-alcoholic drinks? Jeffrey, great question. So, not a drink, not an alcoholic drink drinker. So want to figure out the drinks. So let's. Here's what comes with your Royal Caribbean cruise in terms of complimentary drinks. A couple options. You have, of course, water, tea, iced tea, coffee, uh, milk, and you also have some flavored waters. Like basically, it's waters that are well flavored. You know, there's like strawberry and there's lime and a couple other varieties. And there's also in the morning you can get some juices like. Uh, tomato juice or orange juice, apple juice in the morning. Um, but if you go for other times of the day, that'll cost you extra. So that's what's included. Certainly not soda and uh, premium coffees and premium teas. And when I say premium, what that means basically is lattes, cappuccinos, etc. those kinds of drinks. But if you want a black cup of coffee, right, with creamer or milk or sugar, that's included throughout the day. No problem there at all. So really, uh, what you need to consider for you for the package, first of all, you can get any drink without a package. So keep that in mind. One of the mantras I try to, I'm trying to work back into the podcast is you don't need any drink package. It's certainly nice and convenient for a lot of folks, but you don't need one. Uh, so you can order, you know, a, a glass of Coke anywhere you want or anything like that. Uh, but the, if you're looking at the drink packages, what it really amounts to, and this is true for the Royal Refreshment Package, which is basically all the non-alcoholic beverages or just the soda card, is how much are you really going to drink? Uh, I think it relies heavily, the Refreshment Package relies heavily on the idea you're going to drink a lot of soda and a lot of virgin cocktails and or premium coffees, bottled water, those kinds of things, right? If you're doing just straight soda, like, look, all I want is some Coke with all my meals and that's about it, then... The soda package is right for you. But again, you have to be able to drink enough every day of your cruise. So there's a couple of considerations. Number one, how many ports you're going to. If you're on a very uh, port-intensive itinerary, right? If you're on a seven-night cruise and you're in ports for four or more days, well, that means you're only on the ship for three or less days, right? That's not a lot of time to make up for you know getting your value, quote-unquote. Um, by the same token, you might just say, well, you know, if there's not a lot of sea days or there's not a lot of port days and you have a lot of sea days, well, there's more time for you to make it worthwhile. I think what it really amounts to, and I always tell people this is, you know, Jeffrey, close your eyes and think to yourself, you need to have, you know, four to six sodas or whatever drinks per day in order to break even. And if your gut reaction was, oh, I can drink four sodas, that's it. I can do that every day. Or was it, whoa, that's a lot of soda drinking. You know, that's kind of your answer right there. And don't forget, you can always buy it on board the ship. You don't have to pre-purchase it. Now, the the refreshment package does often have a sale probably in your cruise planner before before you're sailing. You keep checking it. Eventually, it goes on sale. So there is some money to be saved there. But, of course, if you wait until the second or third day to book it, you're you're only paying a prorated rate, in which case it may end up being not a bad deal for you at all. So consider that. The soda package is always the same price. So there's no risk in waiting. So just keep that in mind. You know, if you want to kind of see how it goes, right? Maybe you don't. If you're a new cruiser, uh, you know, you're going your first ever cruise on Explorer. Maybe it's worth it just to get on board and go a day or two and see how it goes, right? Are you really wanting to drink a lot of soda, or are you totally okay with what's complimentary? So some good options there, and I hope that 
helps you in some case, Jeffrey, with your question. Let's go to our next email. It is from AJ, who writes, Happy New Year, Matt. Really enjoying the podcast and blog. My wife and I have been fans of Royal Caribbean for years and have tried other cruise lines, but always come back to Royal. So we thought it might be a great idea to try out the benefits of the stockholder program. I have the stock for a while. That's Royal Caribbean stock, of course. And have tried to get the onboard credit several times and never had any luck. I'm always told that I have some other promo that is not combinable. I'm not sure if it's even possible to book a cruise without some sort of sale promo going on. So long story short is I'm trying to see if you have any insight into the program. I've talked to other guests on board, and they have said they take advantage of it, so I'm a little perplexed why I always hit a roadblock. Another question would be, if I can ever get the discount, is the Diamond Balcony, is discount and the stockholder benefit combinable, or does one preclude the other? AJ, thank you for the email. And your experience is actually not wrong. The There is a discount for Royal Caribbean shareholders. I believe you have to have at least 100 shares of Royal Caribbean stock. But what I would tell you, AJ, is that your experience is not wrong. Uh, it's rarely combinable. The shareholder discounts have been available for a while. And you got to remember the shareholder discount was something that used to, I think, be more lucrative because a number of years ago, Royal Caribbean didn't have nearly as many sales as they have now. And these promotions, the BOGO, the 30% off all passengers, you know, the WOW sales, they're not combinable with the shareholder discount. Why? I don't know. It's just the way they've lined it up. So the shareholder discount is not really it's not very lucrative because it's you have to pick one or the other. Now, you could say, AJ, you could tell them, oh, no, I don't want the BOGO deal. I'd rather have the shareholder discount. I think in almost every single case, the promo deal being offered is a more lucrative discount for you than the shareholder discount. That's why you never apply it. You certainly can, but I think in most cases, the shareholder discount is really good for like last-minute deals where you're not using a discount. In a lot of the sales, if you go look at you know, uh, uh, any current promotion, right? They usually apply for sailings and beginning in like two or three weeks from that, from your current date. So if you were to book a sailing for like next week, as an example, that promo may not apply and thus your shareholder discount would be an option for you. I think in general, and again, I'm not a stock expert by any means. I think in general, you should not buy Royal Caribbean stock for the shareholder discount. You should buy Royal Caribbean stock because you think it's a very good investment for you and good for your portfolio and all those other things. The shareholder discount is just something that may or may not ever take advantage of. Uh, but yeah, you're not missing anything, AJ. I guess what I'm trying to say. And the other question was uh, for the Diamond Balcony discount. Again, with all promotions, it varies, AJ. I've seen it available in some cases with combinable, other cases not. It just depends. Is and I, I know everyone always hates that answer, but it depends on the promotion that you're trying to combine it with. Sometimes it is available. Sometimes it is not. I have often seen it where the, like, you know, the BOGA promotion is okay, but it's always like onboard credit. You always have to trade off, right? It's like, is it better to have your, your balcony discount being in Crown and Anchor Society, or is it better to take the $100 or whatever it is in onboard credit that Royal Caribbean is giving you uh, there? So it's one of those weird nuances. And this is why, again, a travel agent really is important because they can do all the math for you to figure out the best possible discount for you. So there you go, AJ. Thank you so much for the email, as always. Uh, next, we have an email from Christy from Texas who writes, Hey, Matt, loved your episode on packing for Alaska. While I don't currently have any Alaskan cruises booked, it was fun to listen and remember my previous Alaskan cruise. I wanted to tell your listeners something easy to pack that might make a huge difference in their trip. If any of your listeners are staying in an ocean view or balcony room, they may want to consider packing an eye mask. Depending on how far north you are in Alaska, it can, it can be dark only three to four hours a night in the summer. And even then, it's more likely like dusk instead of nighttime. If you're sensitive to light while you are sleeping, this is a must-have. We also have, use a hanger with the clothespins from the closet to pinch the curtains together. On the last cruise we were on, we brought magnetic hooks to hang things in the room. 
I also use these magnets to pin the curtains to the wall on both sides of the window. Hope these tips help some of your fellow listeners to get a restful night's sleep. P.S. The tips also apply to Baltic Sea itineraries. Christy, thank you for the great recommendations. I think there's a lot of folks here that might be frightfully sensitive to bright lights and would appreciate the uh, the suggestion there. I know I am. I, I love pitch darkness, and we have a balcony on our uh, cruise to Alaska in on Explorer this season 2018, so I think I will have to uh, invest in a very manly night mask. You know, I don't know, it's got like flames coming out of it or something. <laughs> it is really good advice there. And, you know, honestly, I think that's something people probably don't even think about. I know, I know until I read your email, Christy, I didn't really thought about it because, of course, you know, when you're up that high, that far north in latitude, in the summertime, they don't really, you know, they have many hours of sunlight, much more than lower latitudes. So, to Christy's point, you know, if you need it to be dark when you're sleeping, good tip there to bring the uh, uh, to bring the night mask. So, good stuff. All right, time for one more email. I'm on a roll here. I want to keep things going here. We have an email from uh, Jose Pena who writes, "Here's an idea that could be useful for an upcoming podcast. How about recommendations for activities for people to do for singles on a royal Caribbean cruise, for a couple on a royal Caribbean cruise, for families?" Now, some of these suggestions may be more uh, more than one group. Here are my suggestions: singles, first night done right dining package for couples. Thermal Suite Spa Package for Families, Cabana's Lobbity, and or Coco Keg. I'm sure there are many more, and it could be a good episode when you get need one lined up on a cruise. Uh, there you go. Jose, thank you for the suggestion. I love that idea. Uh, you know, I think there are certainly, if you have a certain demographic, if you're cruising solo, if you're cruising with a family, extended family, there are certainly some activities that lend themselves towards being more uh, interesting. I think um, if you're in a larger group, if you're in the family, right? An extended family, do the... Do the escape room if it's available on your Royal Caribbean ship because doing it with the family is a lot of fun. It gets everybody involved. There's no you know physical requirements. It's it's it's, it's all you know brain based and it's a lot of fun. I think uh, I love the idea for couples of the thermal suite uh, spa package. I think also the uh, maybe the idea of doing a private excursion, especially for families, uh, is is really important there. So. Good stuff, Jose. Thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for who sent in an email on this week's episode. Of course, you can always send me an email by emailing Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hoshberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>